gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. In this episode, we're joined by Matt Lacey. How's it going, Matt? It's going good. And for anyone who might hear some background noise, a, a little bit more than we normally get in our recordings, uh, this is actually being recorded live from Microsoft's Build Conference over in Seattle. Um, have you been enjoying the conference so far? It's been a really good conference so far. Uh, it's only the second day, but I'm exhausted. So. Yeah, I hear you. It feels like I've been here for a week or so, in, in, in a good way, but it's, it's, it's a lot to take in all at once. Um, so we have you here in the room to, to talk about a book that you're working on right now that's, that's available in early access about mobile app usability. And usability can be a tricky thing potentially to talk about in a, in a spoken podcast, but hopefully we can sort of you know, paint a word picture on some of these things. But, but in, in a nutshell, can you give kind of like a, a high level intro to, to what you tried to target in this book? So this is a book for developers but it's different from other books about developers because it's not about code. This is the, the th other things you need to know to make a good app that aren't just APIs and SDKs. Gotcha. So did this come out of, um, do you have experience before doing more of the design user experience side of things? Um, so I've been doing, I've been building mobile apps about 15 years. Um, and a few years ago, I was working with a lot of designers and I had really struggled to communicate what I thought were issues with what they were giving me to do. Mm -hmm. So I went out and tried to learn a bit more about how to be a designer so I could talk to them. Um, and what I found is that enabled me to talk to developers about traditional designery or usability type issues um, and found some language and found some structure which helped other developers um, understand some of those issues and think about their apps in a, in a broader sense so that they could make better apps. Uh, I'm interested in people building better apps. I've learned that I can't build apps for everybody. Um, I don't stretch that far, so I want to help other people get at, build good apps because the world needs that. We need better software. Um, and I don't want to use rubbish apps either. So. Right. I mean, the, the bar for quality is, you know, gets higher and higher with, you know, every year it seems like, even for quote-unquote enterprise apps, that, you know, things need to be well-designed and, and work pretty well. There's pretty high expectations from users now. Yeah, and... The, the, the counter to that is developers turn around and say, I'm not a designer, therefore I can ignore the design side of it and then, then complain when no one likes their apps. Right. So outside of you know, just the normal fact of life, really, that most developers aren't designers and you know, they're, they're pretty different types of skill sets for a lot of people, like, what sort of, what were some of the main disconnects that you saw between developers and designers? Like, was it, you mentioned just language differences and needing some sort of canonical language to, to communicate. Like, was that the biggest disconnect or was there a tooling disconnect? Like, what did it really look like? I think the biggest disconnect is the, the lack of perspective. Um, so designers look at the app from a different perspective than developers do. From developers, it's, it's very ones and zeros. It should do this. Does it do that? It's functional, but is it? You know, pleasant to use. Um, that, that's the big difference where designers are coming, a, a good UX designer is looking at lots of things. A traditional UI designer is focused on how it looks. A developer is focused on how it works. And you need a combination of those to, to create a rounded app experience. So, so how can you start to, to approach to bridge that gap then? Um, so I, I've got six things I try and tell developers to think about. And those are the context, input, output, responsiveness, connectivity, and resources. So the, the little structure. So, so in terms of context, you need to stop and you need to think about who is this app actually for? 
where are they? When are they using it? And what devices are they on? Uh, you know, we're, we're here on Got Mobile Podcast, so there's a, a strong Xamarin um, influence. Um, and so, you know, when, when you're talking cross-platform and talking Xamarin, you tend to think about some of those differences within devices, but not all developers do. And there's, there's more to, is it this device, is it that device, is it iOS, is it Android, is it Windows? Um, there's more to think about um, and about the differences of individual devices. Because if you don't think about those at all, then you hit all sorts of issues when you come to testing. Um, if you think about it at the, the lowest common denominator level, you miss out on lots of opportunities for a great device. If you think that all, develop, all people who are going to use your app are like you, then you're in for a rude awakening. But there's lots of variety in, in the people who are using it. And if you start to think about um, people with different levels of ability and different requirements, you can make small changes to your app, which will help a lot of people, whether that's um, adding um, text-to-speech support, um, or if that's just high contrast support, or if it's an ability to work with you know, system settings for large text sizes. Those things matter to a lot of people, and it's not just a few people with disabilities. They, they help and benefit lots of other people as well. And so that's good. Um, and to think about where people are using your app. Uh, if, you know, not, if you're going to release your app worldwide, the people who use it are going to be very different from you quite likely. Um, and you need to think about some of those differences. Um, there's, lots, um, there's lots of ways that can be can matter, and language is the obvious one. Um, social local conventions they matter. Um, you know, the the cost is a, a factor for a lot of people because that will influence influence device, um, influence if you're going to charge for it or how you're going to monetize. Um, and it also impacts by thinking about these things up front. You can um, assess your market. Um, and I know lots of developers. They'll build an app, put it in the store, and no one wants it. And they haven't thought about who was actually going to download it and if there were enough people to make it worth their while. So just taking some time up front to think about these big picture issues, to think about the context of where the app's going to be used, that helps a lot of people sort of stop and take some stock and save themselves some time by building something that they was going to be a waste of effort or no one was going to want, um, but also makes, helps them make something better in the, the, final, uh, the final output. So if I was a developer and I was, I was getting ready to release an app or start designing an app, depending on where in the, the process I wanted to start thinking about these things, like, like what can I do if I don't necessarily know the, the full context of the types of users that would be using? Like, say I'm releasing uh, some sort of consumer app, and I'm not necessarily, like, as a developer, I'm, I want to cast a wide net and, and have, you know, you want everyone using your app, right? Like, like what sort of steps can I take to try and figure out the the types of users I should be thinking about and, and making sure I accommodate for. So, so developing for, for everyone, in inverted quotes, um, is, is a, is a, tends to be a cop-out. It avoids thinking about who the specific people are. Um, you know, if your app is for everyone, how are you going to market to everyone? How are you going to tell everyone that your app exists? Chances are it probably works to a certain demographic or a certain people trying to do a certain task or people interested in a certain subject, whatever your app tends to be about. If you break it down and stop at that point, so rather than say this app is for everyone, and so actually my app is for people who are interested in this sport or this type of information, well that immediately helps you think about, um, well, I have a group of people, well where are people like that? You know, the there might be lots of people like that where you live, in, your, in the country of your residence, there might not be. There might be a massive um, contingent of people who are interested in that in another part of the world. So if you can stop and think about those sort of things, and if you can target down to sort of one or two types of people, then, then you've got a definitive idea in your mind about what you're going to build and who you're going to build it for. Um, and also, 
you know that's where you're going to start advertising and marketing your app when you when it's released um if it's a consumer app so you 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 know and then you know if it is an app that's um applicable to a wider audience then branch out from there but start small and expand don't try and start building an app for everyone uh, yeah i think that makes a lot of sense to to start small and and let it grow organically and then you can kind of limit the scope of what you're trying to solve right right off the bat and try and solve it in a smarter way i imagine um so then would you also start doing things like usability testing like with like once you, once you figure out that target market as you're developing things like how can you how would you start to work in you know real user testing or or anything like that or uh, would you so ab absolutely you should um test test often test early uh, i'm a big fan of all sorts of testing um usability testing is a is a large complex area and you know if if as a developer you want to go and learn about everything about usability testing good um do that um if not just give it to some people who are the target audience and then ask for feedback watch them use it ask them before you start building it hey would you even want this if i built it um just because there's a group of people doesn't mean they will want the app um and and start just really small and really simple and but get lots of feedback. Ask ask the questions. Don't assume that um, I'm going to target for this audience, and then a common reaction is I'll give this to my developer friends and see what they think, and then you start building for the feedback from your developer friends and not for the target audience. Um, so that's a, an important uh, gotcha to be aware of. Absolutely. Um, and then also as part of this, you know, the it becomes a bit of a chicken and egg problem as well, right? Because you know, developing mobile apps. It, it's complicated. It takes a while. So even getting all the coding done to get you to the point where you could put something in front of a, you know, a, a user or a set of test users or something, it can be a lot of effort. Um, so, like, what sort, of, what sort of ways have you found to to work? You know, have a as you know, engineers working with designers, maybe with prototyping tools or things like that. Like, how can you really like narrow down that feedback loop? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the scenario of you're working uh, as an individual developer. If you're working with other people, that complicates things and you get lots of different potential scenarios. Sure. So if, if you're a developer on your own, um, you don't have a lot of time or knowledge for, for building prototypes and uh, getting feedback and doing those testing, just start really simple. You know, Talk about the concept first to people. You don't have to build anything. Um, you, know, you, you can sell the idea before you sell the product. So you know, find out if people want something. It's 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 lean business strategy. It's MVP. Do people even want this before you spend your time building the effort? Um, and then then give them mock-ups. Give them um, you know pictures of how it might look, what it might do. Dummy things out as you start to build things. Build you know low fidelity mock-ups first. Maybe build some functionality. Don't focus on how it looks. You might have to explain to you know tell people ignore how it looks and then you know that we'll make it look nicer in the future it's more important what it does and how it works than how it looks at this stage right and it, it's all, there's also a lot to be said for having you know having your mocks or your you know usable or semi-usable prototypes actually look nothing like a real app would look because then you know it can be distracting if you're somewhere in like the uncanny middle ground between like an app that sort of looks like a real app that or that you might ship and something that you threw together just for a prototype, right? Yeah, so I've, I've used a lot of very low fidelity mockups like Balsamic and even just things in uh, PowerPoint or Keynote. And there's the initial, oh, it's, it's, it's not like a fully finished app. And some people will be shocked by that at first. And, you know, but once they get over that, they, can, they tend to appreciate the, the benefit of just focusing on things at a higher level and not 
being distracted by, oh, I prefer that to be a different color. Can that be a bit smaller? Can that be a bit larger? Um, and so there's, there is real value in starting simple and starting a, a low fidelity. Absolutely. Um, so like as you, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that, that the, the inspiration for putting together this book and all this content also came out of like you being able to look out and seeing a lot of apps that probably weren't well designed in your opinion or weren't, you know, usable. Like what are some of the, the, the biggest pain points that you see out there in terms of like the usability problems that developers are doing? I, so I, I, I do call out a lot of, um, not by name, a lot of apps that I've used which have been problematic and highlight specific issues um, in the book. I think the biggest ones tend to be uh, network activity and connectivity related. Um, that tends to be a big issue. And um, just basic, uh, some of the basic rules about design and layout. Um, those things tend to really stand out for me. These are kind of, there's some simple rules and once you start, once you're aware of them, you can't not see them. Uh, so I think some of the biggest issues um, which are easiest to identify and spot and address are to do with um, alignment, hierarchy, proximity, um, and similarity. Um, if you can get those things down, you know, that makes a, a big difference. And when they're, they're wrong, when you start to see things strangely indented, it becomes more distracting. It becomes, well, why is that indented? Why is that thing which looks like a subheader bigger than the other thing? And why is that one over there slightly different? And why is there this weird spacing between elements? Um, and it, I think those issues, um, at a high level, those are the, the things which become really apparent once you are aware about them. Um, so you know, if you take something like a grid, a standard grid of images, say, um, and if there's more space um, between items horizontally than vertically, it looks like you've got a series of columns. At which point, my says, well, why are they columns? Is, is there a grid? Is there a relationship between the items in the columns? You know, and by having that proximity and that white space, you're, you're inferring that, um, whereas you might just want them to be a homogenous grid where everything should be the same. If something's different, um, you see lists of us. I see lists of items in, in apps, and some, some one will be different, and one will be slightly stuck out. And there'll be no good reason for it. It'll just be, oh, that one's not quite lined up, or that header line is a bit over to the left. Um, and these things, which sound small, make a big difference. And from a, a wannabe designer perspective, once you start to see them, it becomes, uh, oh, I must fix that. And they're really easy to fix, but it just adds a level of professionalism and finish and polish to an app, um, which if it's not done, it, it really stands out. So when you're you're talking about hierarchy there, is that it sounds like uh, at least in in this particular context you're talking about like visual hierarchy within say a single screen in an app yeah. and, and not um, not necessarily the say navigation hierarchy and like information architecture type of hierarchy. So um, information architecture is is slightly more um, it's slightly harder to grasp. But you know if you if you look at an individual page then the hierarchy of items within a page, yes, that's easy to, to understand. Um, but the, inf the, the, um, the information architecture within an app and that hierarchy of data and information and that flow, um, those matter as well. Um, when apps try and do something new with navigation, um, develop their own navigation pattern or something, or use something in a non-standard way, that tends to stand out. Um, and it's generally a good idea not to do that unless you, have, unless you understand why you're doing something different and have a good reason for it. Um, and just to be different and stand out is is not one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not many can get away with that in in any sort of meaningful, successful way. I think. Um, but so going back to sort of the 
the the information hierarchy within a single page like are there any sort of just like as a de, you know as a developer listening to this who you know might be on the in that camp that you mentioned in the beginning of the well I'm not a designer so I can't do anything here like what are some like really easy things that that developers can keep in mind to just look out for and target and try and just not make those mistakes right from the gate so there's a couple of general rules nearer the top means more important um, bigger means more important or larger means more important things near to each other um, are related um, if you've got like a form and it's label text box label text box and they're all equally distributed you can look in the middle and go well is this label for the one above or the one below and if you just put a bit of space below each text block then that becomes a lot clearer simple things like that um, I think those are probably the the, the the simplest the most obvious things you can easily do and I and I can I can explain them um, <laughs> without drawing pictures right yeah we don't we don't have a whiteboard on a spoken word podcast um. Yeah, and I, th I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like thinking back to even s some of the earlier days of the web, when there was all sorts of hoopla made about you know the the quote unquote fold that you know, you know, and that that comes up with mobile apps especially because you know these are sm I mean the the screens are getting larger and larger with every every release and they're nearing tablet size, but they're still s relatively small devices. So it's pretty easy for a screen to to have to scroll to get to to some content. Do you find any sort of um, patterns or anti-patterns around having to manage that? So as, as a rule, the most important information should be at the top. If you're forcing, you know, if, if you create a, a page where a person has to scroll to be able to do anything, that's bad. But you will find if you, you know, test your app with people who've, who might use it, They've probably used an app before. They know they have to scroll. Um, having everything above the fold isn't an issue. People know they have to scroll. Or if you are, have a very specific audience who aren't familiar with mobile devices, then you'll soon learn that that's an issue. And then you can, you know, whether that's a, a user training issue, um, where it might happen with a specific audience, um, then you can address that. But reality, you're going to struggle to find people who you know, in the general public who are going to download your app from a store um, who don't understand scrolling, because otherwise, how would they have found it in the store anyway? <laughs> that's, that's a very fair point, I think. Um, so, so going beyond sort of the, you know, the hierarchy type stuff and, you know, some, some font weighting and spacing type things, like what, what are some other like anti-patterns that you can call out? Like some of the, the things that really irk you when you see them in an app? I'm gonna, I, I want to challenge your question because you're, you're drawing me into the focusing on the UI. And the, the usability experience is about much more than just the UI. Um, um, so it's not about just what you put on the screen, what it looks like. Um, the, respo uh, the responsiveness of an app is probably the biggest thing which is an issue. How many times have you entered some data, pushed a button, um, tried to launch an app, and your question in it, it doesn't do something immediately? That's probably the biggest issue is you know, the responsiveness. There's uncertainty in the, the mind of the person using the app about what the app is doing. Mm -hmm. uh, how many times have you um, tapped a button on an app and it's not done anything, so you tap it again? <laughs> and then eventually it does the thing two or three times because that's how many times you push the button. Right. And you've got copies of pages open or you've tried to submit data multiple times. Um, making it clear what the app is doing. Um, so my biggest, um, one of the biggest things I think about is um, Asking um, the app should ne so the, the user should never be asking questions of the app about what it's doing. You know, 
from a from a usability perspective, you know, the person's not shouldn't get to a bit of the app and go, I don't know how to use this, so I don't know what to do. And the same, they shouldn't be asking, well, I don't know what the app is doing. I'm not sure. Is it loading data? Is that progress bar going to move at all? Um, do I need to go off and check my connectivity? Um, what happens if it goes wrong? Um, it's it's making it clear to the person using the app what the app is doing. I think that's probably the biggest issue, um, which people or the biggest thing people don't do. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Discover, diagnose, and understand the root cause of error, crash, and performance issues in your apps in seconds. See how your apps are really performing and where they encounter problems with Raygun's incredible full-stack software intelligence platform. Raygun works with all major programming languages and platforms, including iOS, Android, and Xamarin, giving you full visibility over every issue affecting your users. I use Raygun in all of my own apps and highly recommend you give it a try. It only takes a few minutes and you're up and running in your app. Sign up for a free trial today over at raygun.com and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. So in your book, when you talk about some of the those sorts of issues, the you know, how you deal with connectivity or how you show or or that the fact that you should show some sort of status indicator or progress or something, some sort of indicator that the app is doing something. Um, do you also sort of make any recommendations on like the types of affordances you should make there or like some good sort of and I guess this, it does go back into the UI land a little bit, but some like good patterns for you know displaying those in a in a good way or a non intrusive way, or is that sort of out of scope for what you were trying to do? So there there is some general advice, and you're gonna I feel drawn to giving you timings about you know if it, if it's gonna take this long, then you should do this, and if it takes a bit longer, um, but generally as things take longer, you should give more information. So if it's gonna be quick, if it's Essentially instant, that's fine, don't worry about it. If it's going to take, you know, it could take more than half a second, then indicate in some way. You know, a little spinner could be fine. After a couple of seconds, the question about what's that spinner doing comes up. So if it might, if it could potentially take a couple of seconds or more, then give some more information. Have that information update to indicate that something is really happening. If you're just waiting on the, the server and the, the thing spins for 30 seconds before it times out, the person's probably given up before then anyway. Um, so, so the, yeah, it, um, so I, I have some general advice, um, but there was lots of it depends, and we, we call out some. I call out some specific examples um, about how things can be improved and things you can look at or, or areas you can look at in your own apps or apps you might be developing where you know these things matter and you can you can look to make a improvement. So going in in sort of a, a different direction for a second. Um, but kind of drawing from our conversation at the the top of the show of, of knowing your audience, like, do you go into anything in, in the book or in your own experiences outside of that around, uh, say, accessibility and, and real affordances for different type of disabilities and that kind of thing? Um, so from the level of the book, I've tried to touch lots of areas at a high level to make uh, create an awareness of things to consider. Um, I do look at some of these issues. Um, I think when it comes to accessibility and disability, um, there's a, a, a term I learned recently which I like to use instead, which is diffability. You know, we all have different abilities, and those those abilities vary over time. Um, you know, so I, I I cut my thumb the other week. And I had to put a plaster on it, and that made it really hard to use my phone. Um, and there are people who have those difficulties all the time. Um, you know, I, I broke my arm, it's in a sling, then I'm, I'm doing things different. Um, 
then there were permanent issues. Like, you know, if I'd, I lost my arm, that would be a really big issue and that would affect me const uh, indefinitely. Um, but if it's in a sling, that's a few weeks where I'm out. Um, so it's, it's important to think about these issues of ability and the difference of ability from a, a uh, as affecting lots of people and not just at a permanent level, uh, a temporary level as well. You know, if it's if it's dark in here, then I'm going to struggle to see something. And some as uh, same way, someone who's visually impaired would all the time. You know, my, I'm getting older, my hearing's going, um, and so I need to think about that from a, a an audio perspective um, as well as people who. You know, so if I'm if I build an app which caters to people who have no hearing, it also helps people who have limited hearing or temporarily affected hearings from a noisy environment. So I cover some of those issues at a high level in a way that I hope lots of developers will be able to make, you know, start to make improvements, and so everyone everyone can move their apps forward a little bit. And if that's an area which particularly matters to you or you're particularly interested in, then there's lots of other resources to go out and and take those things further. Awesome. So at the top, I think you mentioned that you had sort of a high five or six bullet point list of like the, the types of things that you went after. And, and I, I definitely don't want to make you, you know, just recite your, your entire book and not give people in, inspiration to go pick it up, which they definitely should. Um, but what sort of, sort of other things do, do you try and, and target there? Um, I talk about how people interact with their device um, and, and the, um, uh, the app that's on it. We talk about how data is entered directly into the app, such so as you know, input directly from the user and also indirect input, getting input from other sources. So input I define as anything that comes into the app as an intent or information. So the fact that you launched your app is input into it because it's saying, hey, I want to do something, as well as filling in forms and typing in data as, as input. Um, I, I focus on, obviously, we talked a lot about um, layout and UI design, but there's other sorts of output as well. You know, your output might be audio or haptic feedback, but it might be output to a different device or a different app. Um, but you also need to think about the other types of output from your app. If your app is going to send email from a backend server, that that's output from the app as well. So you need to think about that. Um, I've known loads of apps where I log in or register, and then they send me an email, and I look at that email on the same device, and it's formatted so I can't read it. Um, and that that's sh that should be an easy thing to fix, and it's 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 an obvious thing that you need to address. That you know, if someone's using this app and you're going to send them an email, and that can, that device can receive email, guess what? They're going to probably look at it on that device. And, yeah. Right. So thinking about it more from a, a holistic, full user experience perspective, and not not a a fine-grained, just the yeah. purely what's happening inside the app um, experience. It's, it's that, that big picture. Try and step back from the code if you're a developer and just think about all aspects of the, the app and not just the bits you see or the, the bits you're, you're coding directly. Uh, I think responsiveness is a big mm -hmm. issue. Uh, we talk about some of the ways you can make an app start fast um, and run fast once it's started. These things matter. We talked, I talked about responsiveness and about making it clear what the app's doing. Um, and if you try and launch an app and then it takes mm -hmm. 10 seconds to start, that's a big issue. And the same way that if you're constantly waiting for data to load, um, there are lots of things people can do to address those issues. Um, so we call those out. Um, uh, I'd like to focus on testing. Test, 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 test everything. Test all the things. Um, uh, one, of, one of the easiest tests, which I, I developers tend not to think about, developers, you know, mobile developers are aware that Network connectivity, network connectivity isn't always the same, but it's really easy just to, to think that and not do anything about it. 
So uh, one of the tests I like to encourage people to do, just put a three second delay on every network request in your app, then try and use it. Because you can do that with adding one line. You should be able to do that with adding one line of code to your app. Hopefully, you're doing all your network requests in one part of the code and not got it duplicated. Um, but that gives you um, a really quick and easy way to appreciate what someone might be doing in, or what someone might experience if they've got a slower network connection. Um, you know, there are tools which can limit this. You know, the simulators and emulators have the ability to to throttle um, requests and give that behaviour. But you build it in your app and use it. Go out on an actual device, um, and that makes a real difference. Yeah, and things like network can just vary wildly depending on the area you're in or you know, the wind that day or you know, and the, the cell provider you're on. or like, There's just so much variance out there that it's, you definitely, you know, it's to some extent you can, you can a, lot, a lot of people really place a lot of, of trust in like the ubiquity of, of connections, but yeah. it doesn't really and play out that way all the time. Even if you have a connection when you start, that's going to go. Um, it's not a connected versus disconnected. It's a occasionally and intermittently connected, and that's what you need to think about. And I've I've written and used tools for myself, which will randomly drop requests and randomly add pauses, and those things are useful as well. But uh, you know, maybe maybe they're a second or third step in the process of testing, and and if you can do that, that's great. But yeah, be aware that. The connections will fail um, at the worst possible time. Yeah, I mean that's that's always how these things go, right? I mean, do you get into um, any sort of like prescriptive advice around, say, because that's that that's what sort of leads you down the path of caching and local persistence and all of that sort of thing? Like, is do you get into any of that side of things? Yeah, so I have some strategies for disk-based and in-memory caching and how to combine the two. Uh, look at compression, uh, caching uh, over HTTP requests, um, and ways to optimize those in terms of combining requests, and also looking at um, batched and deferred operations as well, um, because that, that's another important part. Um, it's amazing how many people will make unnecessary requests or not consider batching them. And there's there's lots of things that can be done with caching um, and with functionality built into the HTTP protocol, which people just overlook or aren't aware of, um, which can make a huge difference. Right. And when you're you're doing that prescriptive advice, are you doing it with any particular technology as an example, or is it more of a, just a general, you know, architectural approach sort of a thing? So with the book as a whole, I've tried to be very general and not focus on any particular language or platform or tooling. Um, this is the general advice because you know, the, the speed development changes and mobile changes. Next year, there'll be new tools, but the, the underlying principles will still be the same. You know, I've been talking about some of this stuff for 10 years, and it's not changed. But all the tools are, all the platforms. You know, We didn't have I, well, iOS is 10 years old now, but you know, I, I was just talking about some of these issues back when Symbian was the thing, and Java and Windows Mobile, in in the the first first iteration of Windows Mobile, um, and and a lot of those issues still apply today. Yeah, I mean the you know we every few years there's a new sort of blank design sort of you know revolution or flat design or material and and all that like even the stuff that Microsoft was talking about today, but but it still kind of boils down to a lot of the same best practices. So yeah, there were, there's some fundamental underlying principles which will. You know, almost always be true, you know, right. and and an awareness of those and a, a following of that will help um, help you, not just today but in the future as well. So then, the other side of, of some of the stuff that you're talking about, um, 
I have to imagine it really boils down to, to monitoring and sort of instrumentation as well, since you know, you're going to have to iterate on these things. And, and once you do release your app out to your users, you're going to want to have some sort of feedback loop outside of having to like tap them all on the shoulder and like watch them over their shoulder or something, right? Yeah, so analytics, bug tracking, um, prompts in the app to get feedback or an ability to provide feedback. You know, the, I was playing some games recently and they were really good, but I just wanted to make some suggestions. But there was no way to get in contact with the, the author other than write a review in the store. Um, and that, that, you know, as developers, we don't want that to be the primary method of feedback. Um, right, those one-star reviews don't go away. <laughs> no. Um, so gather what you can automatically. Um, ask for information when you can. Um, and make yourself accessible. Um, so one of the things I'm trying to push for in an app I'm working on at the moment is just to have a voicemail. Uh, little call, call us from a button in the app, leave some feedback. You know, we, we will guarantee to listen to it. We, we can't guarantee to reply or act on it. But I, you know, I've talked to enough people that they say giving feedback is hard. Typing my comment or what I think about it is hard, but it's really easy just to speak into a phone. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we were using Twilio for that. It's a, a simple way just to capture some information which you would otherwise have not gained. Uh, and if people are that engaged to give you feedback, you really want to, to be able to take it. And this is, that's in an app that you're working on right now, or is it an app that's live? It's, it's an app in development. Okay. Yeah, I'd definitely be curious to hear like, how well that ends up working in practice and how many people kind of take you up on that call button, because that's not one that I've personally really seen in, in any apps, but it, but it, on, on the surface, it sounds like a really smart idea. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I like it. I'm, especially for, like, as you get into consumer brands and you just have people who want to give, like, quick on-the-spot feedback. Um, if you force them to type it, it's going to be a, a negative review in the App Store. And no matter how many people say, oh, well, if you fix this one little thing, I'll come back and give you five stars. In practice, I find that they generally don't. Yeah. Like, you've... Plus, like, the... The... the the potential for just losing someone is, is so high on apps as well, right? Like there's usually competition for whatever app that you're putting out there. So users, you don't want to give them a reason to go f try one of your competitors' apps at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also like kind of digging a little bit more into the those prompts for, for user input. Um, are there any sort of patterns or anti-patterns you've seen around that for doing it in a way that doesn't seem almost like creepy or big brothery or or anything like or like really intrusive like the the classic example is like apps that just throw the please rate us in the app store thing at you every time you load the app right all those things so i, I follow the I, I tend to recommend that you never you should never ask for that more than once or more than twice sorry um so it's okay to uh, first time you display that give a not now but if you're going to add a display it multiple times don't always have the not now just take the in that people probably aren't going to do it because if they don't do it the first two times then you know you're just being annoying and the reality is that might lead to a negative review um being annoying is not what people like generally um so i tend to do it um so the advice i give is not to get in the way okay so people don't use your app to give you feedback if they give you feedback that's a bonus people start your app because they have a task to do they they want to get some value out of the app whether that's some information whether that's some entertainment um whatever that is they've they've launched your app for something for them if you want something as well then then that needs to be secondary so it could be a passive prompt or it could be a 
you know, you've you've gone in, you've used the app a bit, then you've backed out to the main page or you're closing it, and that's a good time to prompt when the person has got value. You know, we see apps where they'll ask for for a feedback or a review the first or second time it's used and give people a bit of time to get some value. Um, the amount of time it takes to get value will vary by app. Um, and the, the requirement, you know, it might be, if it's an app someone's only ever gonna use once, then obviously you can't, <laughs> you can't wait. Um, but if, if, if it's something you want people to come back to and use repeatedly, let people get repeated value out of it before you ask for positive reviews or, or to give you some feedback directly. Right. And you also just never want to have any sort of prompt like that be, you know, jump at you in the middle of like any critical path through the app, right? No, like, uh, you know, <laughs> when, when launching the app is always critical path. So if it's the something you do when you launch the app, then no, let people get value, give them the information they want, and then ask for for right. the thing that's going to help you. Yeah, on that one, the I, I've had good results from like strategically putting it in different places of the app, like sort of at the end of a flow. So, and not even as like a pop-up, but just sort of like an affordance on the, like a final screen of a flow, say like when placing an order or something, um, especially because that's probably the point at which a user is going to be most likely to give you something good, like yeah. at the end of completing where, what they set out to do, right? Yeah. If, if you're making a purchase, that's a really good point, uh, a really good time to, to, to ask for something because you've just given them something because, hey, they've now got a product. Um, if that's a product they're about to immediately consume on the device, then maybe not because they'll skip over it. Um, you know, if, it, if it's a shopping app and, you know, congratulations, this will be in the post tomorrow. We've got your order. How did we do? That's a great time to ask for, for feedback. Um, you know, before you, before you give us your credit card, we'd like to ask you a few questions. That's not a good <laughs> That's topic. less of a good pattern, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, so... I could I could also easily imagine a developer listening to a lot of this or going through a lot of these uh, going through your book and a lot of these bullet points and you know starting to feel sort of overwhelmed of like oh my god I need to start thinking about a thousand new things or you know I've been doing everything all wrong um, like what are some good ways that developers can take to sort of like wade into the waters here like to to either go for low hanging fruit or or start to work on this without feeling like they need to just um, you know, get overwhelmed with everything. Well, there are there are always new things to learn. There are always new things you could do to make things better. Your app's never going to be perfect, so start small. Make a, a simple change. Um, throughout the book, I call out things you can do related to to the chapter. Um, so, you know, pick one of those. Whatever makes sense for your app, um, or you find easiest, just. Um, just just try and um, try and continually improve. Um, you know, you, you might read, you may get read some of the book and think, well, there's loads and loads of things I could do, um, and that's good. I'm, uh, I'm glad. Um, don't be overwhelmed by that. Don't think you've got to go out and implement all those before you can do anything else. Start small, make some changes, make sure that they work for you. Um, you know, general advice, you know, won't work in every single situation. Um, so to test um, is one is a, is what I'd say. Um, start small, um, and then you know the. The, there are pages and pages of points of advice in the book. Um, take whatever most appropriate to you. Um, simple UI things, network connectivity, testing the U, um, testing network issues. Those are where I'd, I'd point people to because those are things which a lot of apps can benefit from. Right. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. Um, is there anything sort of in there that we, we glossed over or missed that we should definitely make sure? I mean, we'll, we'll include a link in the show notes to, to your book and all that as well. Um, and again, definitely not trying to just 
steal all the content for free here. Um, but is there anything um, else that's worth calling out or digging into? Um, I think the only thing we haven't talked about is uh, managing resources and a respect for resources. Um, obviously, uh, a mobile device is limited to battery. You don't want to be going and really draining that battery unless you have a really good reason to. You know, a, a device with no battery is an expensive paperweight, or it would be if we still had enough paper that we needed paperweights. Um, <laughs> I guess that's a term that's go, kind of going. I, I, am yeah. I showing my age? <laughs> um, you know, a device. Uh, you know, if if your app drains the battery on a device, um, it's not just your app that person can't use. Um, you're stopping them doing more than just using your app. You're stopping doing anything with their with their device. And people use their mobile devices constantly. Um, batteries are. It's, it's an important one to be aware of. You shouldn't. You know, if you find your the device is getting hot when you're using your app, then it's an issue. Um, it's not as much of an issue as it used to be. Um, what I find now the issue is um, apps that create lots of files and use lots of disk space um, and don't have any respect for devices which have limited space or limited available space. Uh, you know, there are lots of people who do have devices which have you know a very small amount of memory, um, and they will delete loads of files to free that up. If your app is massive, when they go to settings, they go, well, I've got hundreds of megs. Oh, I'll just delete that. Um, if they delete your app, that's bad. If they just delete all the temporary files, make sure your app works, even if all the temporary files get deleted. Um, that's, that's probably the, the easiest thing in that area. You know? You know, so, so two issues there. If the device gets hot when you're using it, you're doing something wrong. Um, if you're creating lots of things on disk, make sure that the user can go in and delete those. So you make sure you're putting them in a temporary folder somewhere which can get tidied up um, and make sure that's not going to cause any problems for the app if someone does. In terms of, you know, just, you know, doing the, the touch test of, oh, the phone is getting really hot, um, you know, obviously our app is doing something kind of spiraling out of control. Like, what are some of the bigger offenders that you've seen? Like, what are some of the common cases for, you know, just really draining the battery unexpectedly? Uh, it tends to be... Um, Making lots of requests, so you're, you're doing lots of data which isn't necessary, um, or it's lots of animation. And it tends to be those, I'm doing lots of UI update when I don't really need to be, mm -hmm. um, or I'm making the app do a lot of work which I didn't realize um, because I can't actually see it. Um, so you know, if you've got animations that they're obscured, well, stop the animation. Um, if you've got a process running in the background which isn't no longer necessary, kill that background process. Yeah, and from a development perspective, it, it can be tricky to to monitor that stuff too. So I think that's probably another reason why a lot of developers just don't pay a whole lot of attention to battery consumption or um, processing time. Is like the historically the tooling around that has been a bit on the primitive side. I think. Yeah, it, it's it's a tricky one because the tooling's hard, um, and it's hard to go and test yourself. It's hard to test in isolation. Um, if if you have got tooling for the the framework or the tools or the platforms you're building for, obviously you know I'd, I'd recommend to use that. Um, but the is it getting hot test is a really simple one, um, which you know it, you don't need a lot of explanation for that. One. <laughs> yes, yes, the you definitely don't want a hot phone in your pocket or your hand for sure. Um, so anything else that that we should dig into? Do we do we cover it? I, I think we've got a, a good good um, broad overview of some of the. Uh, the, the key aspects of what I cover in the book. All right, fantastic. Uh, well, Matt, thanks so much for, for taking the time uh, out of your, your 
busy conference day and, you know, spending time with Gun Mobile here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. And thanks, as always, for everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.